With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. enjoy that intro music i hopefully you guys do as well um found that somewhere on the internet and it wasn't copywritten um so able to use that i would probably pink pick something off dark side of the moon if uh, i was allowed to use it but uh my name is rob howe and the publisher of hawkeynation.com and it's been a while since we've done a hn mailbag podcast but we are back today with one i was i was going to do one last week uh thursday september 17th but we are now thursday september 24th uh around noonish central time but uh last week uh we only got a couple hours notice we're only given a couple hours notice uh for the kirk ferentz gary Barta press conference and the return of big 10 football so i had to punt on the mailbag podcast last week so as a result um, I have some questions from last week I have some questions from this week Uh, some of them uh, questions from last week have been answered uh, or are no longer relevant uh, but I will try to touch on them anyway just to let uh, the the folks who took the time to send in questions which I greatly appreciate i want to at least acknowledge that you sent those questions in and ask them and uh we will maybe review the answers to them if they've already been answered so anyway without further ado uh let's start this shindig uh with twitter questions and uh the first one comes from mel david at mel david three and this was asked last week And I appreciate the question, Mel, my uh, puzzle uh, partner on Twitter. Uh, He's doing a 2,000-word puzzle right now. Uh, 2,000 words. 2,000-piece puzzle right now. Mel, I just started a 1,000-piece mini puzzle. I got this thing off of, uh, I can't remember, Amazon or eBay. Um, But the pieces are super tiny uh i that's going to be a huge challenge but I'll, I'll let you know how that turns out but anyway uh your question was listen to chad 
Mark and Ross's podcast, and that would be the Hawk Central podcast, and I recommend you guys listening to that as well. It's Chad Leistico, Mark Emmert, and Ross Peterson, and it, uh, it airs as a radio program on KXNO out of Des Moines and uh, is turned into a podcast, but great information and discussion on that podcast. Obviously, Mel is a fan, and I am too. Um, he says they mentioned we have a good we have good wide receivers, running backs, offensive line, and new guys on D, but nothing about quarterback Petrus. What are your thoughts on him and the rest of the team? As a focus on Petrus, uh, going over, I'll have articles and talk about uh, more aspects of the team going forward. But Spencer Petrus obviously is a huge component of how Iowa will do this season, what, what, you know, he'll, he'll decide a lot of the fate of, of this team. Uh, because as you mentioned, there are experienced wide receivers. There's experience at running back. Uh, there's experience on the offensive line, although pieces are moving around. Uh, there are pieces that came in, in terms of Quay Cronk coming from Indiana and learning a new system that, you know, preparation's been compromised with the offseason uh, they've experienced and, and you know, what, what we've all experienced with the pandemic and things not being normal. So I do have a little bit of a concern about how that offensive line will come together in terms of continuity and chemistry. Uh, but assuming that it's going to be at the very least competent and, and, and maybe even better than that, I think at worst it would be competent. Um, I, and I think it has a chance to be better than that with, uh, Tyler Linderbaum anchoring center and Alaric Jackson anchoring left tackle, both starters returning. This will be Jackson's fourth year starting at left tackle, which is uh, pretty much unheard of. Um, although Coy Cronk started for basically started for three years and four games at left tackle before having, being injured last year and having to shut it down with the Hoosiers. But getting back to Petrus, um, Kind of prototypical Iowa quarterback in terms of having a very strong arm, uh, pocket presence, being able to stand in there and make the throws. Um, I'm not sure his arm is as strong as Nate Stanley's. Nate had an unusually strong arm. Uh, Nate was just, uh, if there was one um, criticism, or drawback with Nate, it was the inconsistency and accuracy. And I think that's something uh, that will improve with Petrus. Obviously he still has to play football at this level. He hasn't done that. Is not take it, taking, he has not taken, excuse me, any meaningful reps at this level. So it remains to be seen, um, you know, what will happen there. There's always a learning curve, no matter how good a player is. Uh, so. We'll have to see. Iowa certainly has had success with first-year starting quarterbacks, so I'm not going to say or, um, you know, worry about or worry too much about him being a first-year starter because he's been in the system now. He, he came in. He was a mid-year enrollee. Uh, so though, although he did not have spring practice this year, he had it the previous two years. He's learned behind Stanley. I think he's much more prepared to take over than Nate was, who only had uh, his redshirt freshman year of preparation um, behind C.J. Beathard before taking over. So I think uh, – you know, some of those 
intangibles with Petrus. He's a uh, he's well liked by his teammates. I think he has a good rapport with his receivers and tight ends. Uh, and running backs and offensive linemen. I think he commands an offense. He is not a mobile guy. He's not a guy that I think he can keep plays alive uh, if they go off schedule. He's he's not a statue back there, but he's not a guy that's going to beat you with his legs. He's going to beat you with his arm. So that's a little bit of a rundown on hopefully that ask, answers your questions a little bit, Mel. And um, like I said, I'll get back to some more uh, of um, – Maybe next week, if you have a specific question about another aspect of the team, I'll do that instead of doing a rundown of uh, the whole team. And thank you for the question, Mel. Let's go to question number two, and that's from E. That's his screen, <laughs> uh, screen name on Twitter. Uh, it's at NBA underscore fan underscore 2014, and this was also asked last week. What chances does each Big Ten team have of making it through the season without having to forfeit one or more games due to COVID affecting enough players that a team can't be fielded. Also, please give your picks for who will be in the championship game and win the conference championship. I'll answer the end of that first. Um, Wisconsin has a very manageable schedule in the Western division uh, among the contenders. It's the easiest schedule, I believe. So, um, I will pick Wisconsin to win the West. Ohio State, not going out on a limb either, in either division here to win the East, and Ohio State to win the Big Ten Championship game. So I'm going to go chalk uh, in a year where it's going to be very strange and unpredictable. Uh, I will go with the known commodities, although uh, would not be surprised at all if we see some really strange outcomes. Um, based on, you know, not having fans in the stands and the home field advantages being compromised just because of not having that crowd to deal with. And that will help Iowa certainly on the road, particularly at Penn State, uh, but could hurt it at home against Wisconsin, Nebraska, and the like. So we'll have to see how all of that shakes out. But your first part of the question is really just hard to predict. I would say that COVID is going to impact Big Ten football in some way, shape, or form. The daily testing is huge in terms of contact tracing and trying to contain the virus and keep it from, you know, wiping out position groups, as you mentioned. Um, but it's just too hard to predict. Uh, you know, Notre Dame – seemed to be rolling along. It, it, it hadn't had positive cases. I, I'm, I don't know the exact timeline, but it seemed like for about a month. And then, boom, this week hit with seven, had to cancel its game against, I believe it was Wake Forest. I could be off on that. It was an ACC game, obviously, but uh, had its game postponed there. Uh, and there are postponements every week. Uh, we're seeing teams that are having – uh, North Carolina played its opener against Syracuse and hasn't played since uh, because of um, teams it was going to face having the issues. So it's just really hard to predict what's going to happen, but I, I would be really surprised if the Big Ten football season goes off without a hitch and there aren't postponements and interruptions throughout the season because the virus is here. Um, people are living their lives, and as a result, 
we are uh, going to see cases, and that's going to impact Big Ten football, which uh, if you go back and review the protocols and the guidelines and the thresholds for what could cause a cancellation uh, or a postponement, um, they're stringent. They're as stringent, more stringent than any conference in the country. So I, I would be shocked, and I'm not shocked by a lot these days, if there wasn't some impact on Big Ten football. Number three, we go with Mark Duff at Dial54 on Twitter, uh, and he has three questions here. Any update on when Tory Taylor will be available to join the team? Uh, he is here, Mark. Saw him in a photo gallery at the, from the university this week, so he is there competing with uh, Nick Phelps and Ryan Gersande for the starting punter position. Um, and it'll be interesting to see who comes out of that. Obviously, punting is winning at Iowa. So that has been answered. Uh, your second question, outside of COVID-19, any status on rehab or injuries for football? Um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I, I, I don't think there have been any major injuries or anything that's been – I mean, it's been such a long off season with so many delays that I think – pretty much everybody's healthy, at least as of now. Um, I haven't heard a lot coming out of, uh, uh, I don't know what you'd even call it now, I guess, is this training camp, preseason practice, <laughs> however you want to frame or reference this time of year. Um, I think there, that Iowa will take it slow, slowly, and, and not rush these guys back in and try to get them conditioned and their muscles in shape and try to avoid injury as much as possible. But I have not have heard of anything that's, um, that's a major concern right now in terms of guys that we expected to be in the two deep. Um, and then lastly, uh, can we get a health update on CJ Frederick, Jack Nunji, Patrick McCaffrey, anyone else who might be injured? Everybody's healthy. Saw a nice picture of Patrick, Patrick McCaffrey dunking uh, in a photo, photo gallery the university had yesterday on Wednesday, uh, September the 23rd. Uh, Nunji, I saw a picture of him. He's practicing again. Frederick is practicing. Uh, all these guys are back and working out. Um, obviously, they're probably taking it at different speeds right now, but I think with the later start date, November 25th, I think I uh, – Coach Fran McCaffrey is going to have a full complement of players from which to choose. So good news there. Obviously, there's, uh, you know, a couple months before the basketball season starts. So I have to keep an eye out and I'll hope everybody stays healthy. Thank you for the questions, Mark. Uh, let's go to number four. Mike at Mike or at MDVANC3 on Twitter. Um, and this is a question from today. Which position group do you think is the most jeopardy of having a player who isn't ready forced into action due to COVID protocols or injuries? So this is kind of, I guess we can, and it's good, Mike, that you group those two together. So uh, should somebody have to sit out for COVID or, or just, a, you know, a traditional injury, so to speak, you know, knee injury, ankle injury, what have you. Um, we're looking at positions here that I think um, where, where there's a lack of experience. I think the secondary is one of those, which I don't have a great deal of concern because, um, because Phil Parker is so successful at developing players back there. Um, but you lose a really, really important 
and solid cornerback in Michael Ojemudia, who's now playing a ton in Denver and started the first week. I didn't see if he started the second week. And then also Geno Stone, who made the Baltimore Ravens roster. He's been inactive the first two weeks, but he was a uh, he was a fixture back there at strong safety. So you're bringing guys in there, whoever it may be, whether you move Dane Belton back to strong safety, have Kayvon Merriweather there. Um, you know, there's a lot of inexperience behind those guys, and those guys aren't overly experienced. Riley Moss and Julius Brantz and Terry Roberts at the other cornerback spot. There is some depth there, uh, but again, inexperience. So uh, I have some concerns there should COVID or injuries hit. Uh, the defensive line is another spot where you lose A.J. Epinesa uh, and your two starting defensive tackles in Brady Reef and Cedric Lattimore. Uh, so you're already moving guys up uh, that don't have a ton of experience. Davion Nixon is an experienced tackle. Um, Austin Schulte was in the rotation last year at tackle, but they move up and then that puts inexperience behind them. So, you know, uh, you know, and, and that defensive end as well, where you lose AJ Epinesa, you're really your, your best defensive player from last year. Uh, the defensive line would be another spot where I would have concerns. Um, and then also tight end, you know, Sam Laporta, Sean Byer have experience, but there's really no experience behind them. So, I think you look at the secondary defensive line and tight end positions would be the positions that would concern me the most if it was hit by, if they were hit by COVID protocols or injuries. And thank you for that question, Mark. And we roll on. Let's see here. DC Hawk. That's at DC underscore Hawk six asks, how does this year not counting towards eligibility affect future years? This is, uh, this is a great question, Mark. For example, could a true freshman offensive lineman redshirt next year and still have four years? So on a six-year plan, if so, it seems like the NCAA needs to allow for more scholarship for the next five years. Yeah, this is a puzzle that the NCAA and conferences are really going to have to, to figure out DC because um, Basically, everybody gets a, a, a mulligan this, this season. Uh, so, you know, just for instance, um, you look at, you know, let me take a fifth-year senior. I, I don't think Alaric Jackson or Chauncey Golston would come back, but they could come back. If, um, you know, say they play, you know, uh, four. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify to six or ever or however many games I guess you could say this season and decide like they decide that they could make themselves even more uh attractive to the NFL if they came back and played another year they don't have the season they have they're hampered by injury you know they don't have the they don't you know enjoy the season they hope to have this fall because of all the craziness going on uh they could get sick whatever happens um and they feel like, hey, you know, they're, they're, you know, advised by their, you know, 
NFL people that, hey, come back another year. And so that can happen. And that, those are just two examples. All of the guys uh, that have that ability to come back to so the senior class that have a year to come back uh, next year, um, you know, that, you know, that changes the complexion of the, the scholarship. So I don't think there's any way they can avoid adding scholarships. It's going to be a matter of how many scholarships they add um, and then how the athletic department funds that. We're hearing all of these, you know, shortfalls about the athletic departments, Iowa in particular, uh, without having fans in the stands in a full football season. Now you're having to um, you fund extra scholarships next year and maybe the year after that. So that's really a difficult puzzle for the NCAA to try to put together. And I'll be really interested to see how it comes about doing that. And I think it's the right thing to do. I think you have to do whatever is best for these student athletes. And this is not a normal football season. So giving them that extra year of eligibility to me is the right thing to do. But now you have to figure out the logistics of that and they're going to have time to do that. And hopefully they're working on that now and they can figure it out. But I really don't have a number in mind where they'll go in terms of extra, extra, um, scholarships. Um, we see on senior day, there's usually, I don't know, and I'm, and I'm really talking off the top of my head here, 12 to 15 seniors, maybe that run out there on senior day. Uh, how many of those guys want to come back? I don't know. Maybe you stretch it to, you know, we're at 85 scholarships now, maybe you stretch it to 95. Uh, but even if you come up with a rounded number, you're going to have different numbers at, at different schools. So, um, I don't know if you come up with a, a, you know, a definitive number or you have flexibility. So a lot of questions to be answered there. That's a great question though, DC. And I'm, I'll be interested to see how that plays out. Uh, sit down on Twitter at love L U V D A H W K S love the Hawks asks, did you ever get clarification on what happens if a team has to forfeit? Does the other team get a win? From my understanding, sit down, it's just an empty week. Um, I read that somewhere, and that could have been another conference too. Uh, but I don't think you can make a team forfeit because it's been sidelined by the virus or, a, you know, whatever the case may be. Uh, to, obviously, it's the COVID that's going to sideline it. But I think you just – throw that throw that because basically if you give one team a win you're giving another team a loss so uh, I don't think you can penalize a team for having the virus I think they're trying to get through here uh, as best they can and obviously as I said earlier I think there are going to be interruptions and postponements during the season uh, but I think you just leave it as an empty game it's not a win it's not a loss it's just there are going to be uneven uh, records in the conference, and then you probably have to go on winning percentage, but it could get sticky. There's no doubt it could get sticky depending on which games are played and which games aren't played. And as we know, the Big Ten has no uh, bye weeks. They're going eight games and then that plus one matching up uh, corresponding teams from the other division in terms of where they place uh, in that championship week of the 19th weekend of the 19th. So um, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. It's going to be unusual on a lot of levels. 
and how they figure out division champ. Hopefully it's not sticky and hopefully there's a clear champion in each division and then you match up the other teams. I don't think you're going to have a big, big fighter argument that the, the controversy will come or if there's some, you know, um, if it's unclear who the division winners are based on the postponement. So that's kind of the best answer I can give you on that. And that's, and, and I'm, and I'm not 100% positive sit down that that's the, the way that the big Ten's going, but I'm pretty sure I read that somewhere that, uh, that, um, postponed or canceled games in this case, because they can't be postponed. They'll be canceled. Um, unless you have, you know, two teams that can't play and two teams that can, and then those teams that can't play are, are out that week. And then you match up the two teams that are able to play, you know, if, if you can follow what I'm saying here, uh, because they lost their opponents for that week to COVID, they could play each other. I mean, there are a lot of possibilities I think that could happen here, but uh, we'll just have to see how this thing unfolds. Cause it's going to be, Something like we've never seen before. And then our last um, social media question comes from Facebook. Um, and this is Tri M. Noki. Uh, he asked this last week. Odds the, the Nebraska game is on Black Friday 2020. Uh, I would say very high probability. Both schools want it on Black Friday. Uh, that's been uh, reported. So I think – you know, it's hard to know, again, postpone or cancellations, COVID. It's tough to say with 100% accuracy what will happen. But I would, I would put it at 90, 95% that that's a Black Friday game. It just – it makes too much sense, and both schools want it. So um, I, I think there's some regret there on Nebraska's part uh, that uh, its former AD chose to want to move on from the Black Friday game and mix it up with Minnesota as the year ender. So um, I think Bill Moose, the current AD and Scott Frost, the coach over there really would like that black Friday game with Iowa every year again, and it will come back. So basically this will be a year that it wasn't expected to be played on black Friday where it will be. And I think that makes a lot of people happy. Uh, let's see here. Over under Iowa football, 2020 wins six and a half. Yeah. So that would put Iowa at seven and two after the plus one game. I got to go under there. I hope I'm wrong, but I, 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 I with the schedule Iowa has, I, it's going to be difficult. And there's a good chance that they play a pretty salty team from the other division in that plus one game. I'm going to go under the six and a half. Um, TD passes over under 12 and a half. Oh, that is a good question. Um, so that would put Petrus at roughly a touchdown and a half a game in the eight games. I'm not sure if we're adding in the, if we're adding in the, um, the ninth game, I'm going to go over there. I'm going to go over the 12 and a half for touchdown passes for Petrus. Uh, over under total number of Iowa football games, not on a Saturday, one and a half. I'm going to go over. I think they play Minnesota on a Friday. I think they play Nebraska on a Friday. So I think we see two Friday night games for Iowa. And if it's not Minnesota, I think they probably slide another in there. Speculation is that uh, the TV stations want a standard 
Friday night game in the Big Ten every week. Um, so, and I think Iowa's an attractive Friday night opponent. You've got Penn State, you've got Minnesota, you've got Wisconsin, which I don't think they would play on a Friday night just because it's the last uh, weekend of the season and there could be a championship, the Western Division championship on the line. But maybe playing that on a Friday night is attractive. High school football's pretty much done at that point. So, um, yeah, there's a possibility there. So I think the Nebraska game's a lock, and then I think there's going to be one more on a Friday for Iowa. So thank you for the question, Noki. And now we'll finish up on the Hawkeye Nation message boards. We don't have a, a lot of questions on there, but I will hit them up. Um, O'Keefe for Prez. I'm going to read these just because he's somewhat of a clown, um, and I mean that as a compliment. <laughs> uh, and his question is, is it, th- and it's fun there. He's funny. So is it theoretically possible for an eight, no Rutgers and eight, no Northwestern team to make it to the big 10 title game under the COVID rules? I suppose anything's possible. Um, and if COVID hits all the other teams, maybe let those two teams play in Indianapolis and uh, good luck with the TV ratings for that one. If Rutgers made the game due to forfeitures, and beat Northwestern by a score of three to two, would Rutgers be the Big Ten champions and receive an auto berth into the New Year's Six Bowls? If such bowls occur, yeah, I don't know if those bowls are going to occur. We'll have to, we'll have to see how that, how that shakes out. But, yeah, I guess they would. Um, if that scenario is theoretically possible, would you say that the 2020 is Rutgers' best chance to win a big title since joining the league? Yes, I would. Second question, given the death of Goose in the hit movie Top Gun, do you think it would be ethical to use old video footage of him in Top Gun 2 and have his ghost give Maverick a pep talk? Sure, why not? And this is probably going to annoy people on this podcast. I am an anti, I don't know if anti is the right word because I really don't have uh, a feeling that strongly about it, but I am not a fan of Top Gun. I will say that. Uh, my brother used to love it and he watched it over and over and over again. I've maybe seen it through once, maybe, uh, and have seen bits and pieces of it here and there. And that's mostly because uh, my girlfriends throughout the years wanted to watch that movie. Uh, and I sucked it up in the interest of. Um, uh, my own interests, let's say. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I w- if Top Gun was on TV and I'm flipping through the guide and looking for something to watch, I will not click on it. So I'm sure that makes me an outcast for a lot of you, but so be it. And then third question from O'Keefe for Prez. Do you have any idea what toy will be this year's Furby or Tickle Me Animal? And do you recommend speculating on those toys by purchasing 200 right now and flipping them on the eBay? See, that's the trick. If you can figure it out, you can make a ton of money, but that's the whole thing. They're hard to figure. It's hard to figure out until you arrive at the store and jingle all the way with Sinbad um, and Arnold Schwarzenegger fighting over that toy. Uh, I do not have any idea, but maybe it'll be like a COVID medical kit uh, for kids uh, that people will uh, run out and buy, uh, and it'll come with face masks and shields. Uh, Motobasan Hawks, or just Motobasan on the face, Hawkeye Nation Facebook page, 
when can we expect your game-by-game predictions and what should our projected two deep lineups look like? Motobasan, I released my game-by-game predictions, I believe, on Tuesday of this week, September the 22nd, so you can check those out. I have Iowa going 5-3 and and pretty much standard chalk. Uh, Have Iowa losing to uh, Penn State, Minnesota, and Wisconsin. I could see some variation there, but five and three, this looks like five and three on paper uh, without bringing in any of the craziness that could happen because of the times we're living in. Uh, And in terms of a two deep, I haven't gotten that far. I think I released a two deep this summer, a projected two deep. I'll go back and revisit that uh, and either republish, but I'll probably tweak it a little bit as well. Cause as I mentioned earlier on this, podcast we know that tory taylor's here now um and um maybe we'll look around and and i don't know kirk ferentz mentioned last week that there was still a possibility a player or two could opt out so that would change the two deep so i may wait a little bit on doing that and and getting up closer to the season uh and maybe the hawkeyes will release a two deep before the first week game week of the season. Um, we usually have one before training camp. We never got that this year. Uh, never got media guides for obvious reasons. Uh, we'll see. Maybe those things will come out and we'll get a preseason depth chart and then the pregame depth chart, uh, Purdue week, uh, the week leading up to the weekend of October 24th. I'd be very surprised if we don't get a too deep before the first game of the season. And then RE4 on the Hawkeye Nation message boards, that's R-E-E-4, asks, how do you think bowl season would work? I'm guessing they won't require six wins, but keep similar seating based on conference rank. Yes, that is a really good question. And I, I, I was reading an article, I believe it was yesterday, uh, maybe maybe it was prior to that, but uh, in the Charlotte Observer, and they addressed some of that with uh, a member of the college football uh, commission. I think he's from the college football playoff committee. Um, but well, I, those uh, it sounds like a lot of those things need to be 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 um, figured out still. Uh, but the NCAA is reviewing a couple of uh, temporary waivers, which meaning they would only be in play for this season. And one of those waivers would eliminate the 500, have, having to have a 500 winning percentage uh, to make a bowl game, meaning that every team in the country would be eligible. Um, and then you have to consider that the Pac-12 and the MAC may get, may get football started again too. So it's just going to be so disjointed and uneven in terms of comparing teams that I could, I I think it's very plausible that that waiver goes through uh, that every team in the country is eligible. And then you're going to have to see which, which bowl games feel like it's in their best interest to hold their events this year. Some of those, you know, mid December bowl games may say, Hey, listen, this just financially isn't worth this for us to do that. Especially if we can have, you know, you know, just a limited crowd or no crowd, uh, you know, how much are the TV um, 
how much, you know, is TV willing to pay for those games? Uh, a lot to be determined yet still as we sit here uh, in late September. But good question there, Re. And uh, I, I guess I would best I – would, I would say um, it's best probably to just kind of take a wait-and-see approach with that. I think any bowl games we get this year beyond the national – uh, you know, the college football playoff and maybe some of the New Year's Six Bowls. Any bowls we get beyond that, I think, are going to be gravy this year just because of the unusual circumstances. And then teams traveling to different cities, that's just not a real popular uh, activity <laughs> during a pandemic. So it's going to be a lot of uh, what what is able to be accomplished um, from a health perspective. Um, and just to add in on that second waiver, um, it looks like um, the, the, that's more of a, um, a scheduling uh, aspect of things where um, some of those mid and early December bowls with, the, with games being pushed back, the Big Ten championship being pushed back to December 19th, that's obviously after some – bowl games have already started in normal years, you're going to have to push some of those bowl games back if they continue uh, or if they choose that they want to play. Um, and then again, you're going to have to see about, you know, the pandemic and, 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 you know, how that public health environment is in a given place. I mean, you could have a surge in say Tampa for the Outback Bowl and it's just not, you know, public health officials say, no, this isn't going to happen. No fans. It's just such a fluid situation that we're going to have to wait and see. Hopefully the Hawkeyes win enough that they can get themselves into a bowl that's being played. Uh, but the good news is hopefully uh, at minimum, it's a, uh, it's a nine game season, uh, which is three quarters of what we uh, originally were going to have, which is saying a lot when you think about what we've gone through this year. So, I will end it on that note and uh, happy that uh, we're able to talk about football again and basketball season coming up. And uh, it's, uh, it's something we all needed in a, in a really rough year. So it gives us something to look forward to, even though there are still some uh, unknowns that we're, we're going into here. At least there's excitement that there's something there for us to hold on to that there is going to be. Uh, Big Ten football being played in some way, shape, or form. So thank you for joining me on another HN Mailbag podcast. Um, I'm going to try to do these weekly now, and I may push them to Thursdays, being as Wednesdays uh, I normally publish my, uh, my big um, game previews for, the, for the, that Saturday or Friday night or Saturday's game. So uh, it makes it difficult for me to do these on Wednesdays. And I think Thursdays is a good day to do these anyway, because we have some information from the Tuesday press conferences and it can kind of work as a preview into the following game. And not much as a, of, a, of being of a review of the previous week games, which Andrew Downs and I will probably do on the Monday podcast. So uh, keep the questions coming. I appreciate that very much. I appreciate everybody listening. And uh, we'll join you again soon on the Hawkeye Nation Mailbag Podcast. Take care, everybody.